30, baby, won't you meet me by the beam? Too early, maybe later you could show me things. You know what it is whenever I visit. Windy City, she blowing me kisses. No, 30 degrees, way too cold. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy, Jalen. And since last time we've talked, this coronavirus has gotten more serious. Uh, I want to implore everyone to be safe, be clean, uh, try to keep, try to practice social distancing. Um, just, just, just be safe, man. Be safe. Be around loved ones. Do what you gotta do. Just, just be safe and be clean. Wash your hands. Um, you know, do what you do what you should have been doing. But. Like I said, or what I've been what I've been doing this month is this month is Women's History Month. So every episode, I want to bring on another woman to talk in sports to talk about a sports topic, talk about a couple sports topic. And today, I was actually blessed and 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 gracious enough to have two young women. I have Courtney Smith. She's a content associate at ESPN. She works on the NFL side, so we definitely talked to her about some of the NFL free agents and some of the big news that, that we saw yesterday. Uh, we talked about Dak Prescott. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about everything NFL. And we definitely spoke on the new NFL CBA deal that they kind of quote unquote came together. And then I have Christina Williams. She's the founder of Girls Talk Sports TV. She does a lot of things from NBA 2K League WNBA, NBA, uh, she spoke at the NABJ, she goes, she works at, um, she does, <laughs> she does a lot of things, and I thought that it would be great to have her perspective, as well as Courtney's perspective, so stay tuned for that. I'm not going to be here for, for much, for too much longer, because I want you to, I want you guys to hear exactly what the young ladies had to say. But some things that we didn't talk about in the interviews were, and I'm going to start with this. I understand this coronavirus uh, affects everyone's way of living. They're, they're quarantining people. They are telling people to stay away from work. Uh, we're, we're, we might get a massive shutdown in the United States. I understand the seriousness of the coronavirus. I understand the fear that comes with it. I understand the fact that, especially sporting events, are, are shutting down. You know, you rather be safe than, than, than sorry. And with sporting events shutting down, you see arenas getting shut down. You see venues getting shut down you see everything getting shut down and with that there's people that aren't getting paid there's people that are not because they're not working they're not getting paid i mean they're not on salary they just work for the team so they're not getting paid and as we've seen we've seen players like zion williamson we've seen players like kevin love steph curry is trying to feed some of the kids that can't go to school we see players stepping up and and doing their part. And I didn't I didn't want to talk about this topic 
just to praise the players. I wanted to talk about this topic to shine light on the fact that why isn't everyone doing this? And when I say everyone, I mean why is why are not why isn't it the owners that all the owners not doing this? You see Zion Williamson, who's a rookie, doing it. You see players like like say Kevin Love doing it. There, there, there's multiple. And now of course you have you have Mark Cuban. He said he's gonna do it. Uh, you have I think the GM or the team. Uh, the the Warriors said they're going to do it. The Atlanta Falcons, I believe, said there's going there's there's several teams that have, have have said they're going to do this. But there isn't all of them. N- New Orleans didn't didn't come out and say we're going to match whatever Zion Williamson did. The the Washington Wizards haven't come out and said we'll pay for our employees. It's like constantly we see just how greedy owners are. Now, no, you're not obligated to do anything. I'm just, I'm, you're, not, you're not obligated to pay anybody. But if there's an outside entity preventing me from coming to work, why do then I have to suffer? Or why isn't nobody looking out for me? Because we don't know how long this is gonna happen. Like I said, the, the NBA, excuse me, the NBA, were, they were saying that we're supposed to be out for maybe, I don't know, maybe until June, July, or August. So you're telling me people can miss four, five, to six paychecks and still keep it afloat? I work in freelance, and I know I can't do that. So let alone people that's making, just making ends meet. All I say, all, I just implore that owners, teams, and not, not just in the NBA, NHL, MLB, NFL, think about the workers, man. Think about, it, it, shouldn't, it, should, it shouldn't have to be a rookie to say, hey, I'll pay, I'll, I'll contribute $1,000, $100,000 for the employees that's not working. It shouldn't have to be Kevin Love. It shouldn't have to be Steph Curry, even though, you know, and I'm not saying like they're they're bad for doing that, you know, shouts out to them, but I'm really calling for the owners to action. The owners m- most definitely can afford to pay some of the most, all of the employee salaries. That's, that's what I implore, man. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't really like starting on a morbid topic, but that's a topic that's been on my heart ever since I've seen, like I said, Kevin. And, and, and those aren't the only players that have have come out and said they'll pay. You know, I, I'm not I'm not saying that, that they're the only ones. I'm just shining light on that. Owners, step up. Do what you got to do. It shouldn't be a few teams. It shouldn't be three teams. It shouldn't be 10 teams. It should be all 30 teams to pay for their employee, like their arena staff salary due to the fact that they can't work. Not they can't work because they don't want to, they, they can't work because they're forced not to work. Moving forward, one big news that because the coronavirus has, uh, has kind of came, got really overlooked was Rick Pitino. We know the, the quote unquote disgraced coach or Louis, former Louisville coach has come back and now will be coaching the Iona University. 
Look, Rick Pitino is one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. You know, it's in rare air. You, you got Mike Shashevsky, and, and this is no list, but he's in the he's in the realm with Mike Shashevsky. He's in the realm of Coach uh, Roy Williams. He's in the realm of Coach Jeannie uh, uh, Auriemma, the the UConn coach. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. And we know about the scandal, the, the quote-unquote fraud, some of the players, the brothel. We, we all know about what happened in Louisville. And I, I'm guessing, and I, and I guess that Rick Pitino has done everything that he needs to do to come back. And this is a win-win for both sides. This is a win-win for Rick Pitino because he's come back. He's able to coach his legacy. While his legacy is tarnished, I mean, not tarnished, while his legacy has taken a hit, people that really know college basketball and really know basketball in general know that he's one of the greatest coaches ever. So that shouldn't, that doesn't really oversee his, his overall legacy. Yeah, the stuff at Louisville happened, and that's always going to follow him, but He's still one of the greatest coaches ever. And Iona gets one of the greatest coaches ever, which is why it's a win-win. Iona goes from not really being sure what's, what's next for them to now having one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history coach for them. So it's, it's, really a, it's really a win-win for both situations. I just think it's funny. And no, I'm not comparing what Rick Pitino did to what other people did. But it's, it's crazy how a coach, right, we know about the whole fraud situation. We know about all that. It, 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 just, it just always, I always wonder how the tables would be different if it was African-American. Like, what if it was uh, Howie Smith that was doing all that stuff? What if it was uh, Shaka Smart that was doing all this scandal stuff? How quick would he get a job back in the WNBA, I mean, in the NCAA? I always think it's funny, but shouts out to Rick Pitino, shouts out to Iona. Iona definitely got a good coach. You know, uh, Rick Pitino has a young, a good young team that he can he can start mold and hopefully build up to you know see what happens next. So shouts out to Rick Pitino, now the new head coach of Iona. And before we move on to the interviews, we're just gonna talk. I mean, I'm not about to stay on Tom Brady. We all know Tom Brady has come out today and announced he will be leaving the Patriots. We've kind of assumed that. That's a wait-and-see thing. I mean, that's the end of a legacy. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. The Patriots, they were done as a legacy. To, well, not done. They, they were finished in terms of continuing to win, to me, because Tom Brady's still old, or Tom Brady's older. The, the pieces aren't, aren't really there. We've seen a lot of their key players have left. And the end of the, the, the end of the Patriots the, the Patriots era is over. And we kind of saw the writing on the wall when, you know, they were willing to let and, and, and this is not really their decision, this is Tom Brady's decision, but both sides knew that Tom Brady was gonna hit free agency. They weren't trying to get a new deal done like as quick as possible. You know, that he, he becomes a free agency tomorrow. So again, and that's the first time in his career he's been a free agent. So again, Tom Brady leaving the Patriots. I, I I suspect he might go to probably the Chargers. If not the Chargers, maybe Tampa Bay Buccaneers or let me throw in a surprise team. Uh, 
I would say the Raiders, but the Raiders just got Marcus Mariota. Cam Newton is seeking a trade. Cam Newton is seeking a trade from the Panthers, so maybe, just maybe, Tom Brady can go to the Panthers. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's next. I, I'm not about to. Uh, I'm not no clairvoyant. All I know is that right now, Tom Brady has announced he will be leaving the Patriots. So, and this doesn't wherever he goes, it doesn't tarnish his legacy. He's still one of, if not the greatest football quarterback of all time, one of the top ten players of all time. Tom Brady's just in the tail end of his career, and he will be playing somewhere else. It's kind of like Jordan when he went to the Wizards. Um, hopefully it's not as bad as Akeem Elijah want to go into the Raptors or Patrick Ewan going to the Magic. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, and lastly, just talk about a couple a couple moves that happened. Of course, like I said, free, uh, football free agency started. Um, Stephon Diggs goes to the Bill, Buffalo Bills. That's going to be huge. I think that currently constructed with Tom Brady leaving, the Bills might be the best team in the AFC East. I know it's, it's crazy to think, but with the Patriots and everything, but if Josh Allen can get right and they can sure up the running game, you have so many pieces. It's, a, it's exciting to see where they're going to be, and it's exciting to, 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 to see. They, they have an incredible defense, and now they have a, so many pieces and weapons on offense the Bills are, to me, the best team in the, in the AFC East right now. So, you know, Stephon Diggs went to the Bills. Another big move that happened was DeForest Buckner goes to the Colts. All the Colts really need to share up right now is their quarterback position. Once they share that up, it's, it, that's, that's another team that can be viable for a, a, a playoff run. We just talked about Marcus Mario to the Raiders. Uh, Austin Hopper goes to the Browns. That, uh, that, that's a big move. We just need to see, like I said, that's another piece for Baker Mayfield. It's just, how is he going to use the pieces? You still have Jarvis Landry, you still have Odell Beckham Jr., you have Nick Chubb, and now you have Austin Hopper. We just need to see how it goes. Another huge move that a lot of people are not talking about is Calais Campbell going to the Ravens. That's, to me, that's, that's huge. That's, that's, that's big. That, that just shores up another position the Raven, on the Ravens' defense, which is already incredibly good. So, you know. Uh, I'm not going to talk about all of them. Byron Jones goes to Miami. That's bigger for the Cowboys losing Byron Jones instead of Miami getting Byron Jones. The Cowboys do, and, we'll t uh, and with Courtney, I do talk about uh, Dak Prescott getting franchise tagged. But one thing we do not talk about is Amari Cooper signing with the Cowboys, I think five years, $100 million. Shouts out to Dak. I mean, shouts out to Amari Cooper. They said the Redskins were in, were in talks of getting them, but he wanted to stay in Dallas, so he shirred up. Jimmy Graham goes to the Bears. I mean, if, if it didn't work with Russell Wilson and it didn't work with uh, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know how it was going to work with Mr. Trubisky, but shouts out to you. Uh, I'm not about to talk about nothing else. Um, <laughs> and... and and we just have to wait and see. Like I said, news broke today that Cam Newton and the Panthers are working on seeking a trade for him. Like I said, Tom Brady situation. Drew Brees signs a two-year, $50 million contract to stay with the Saints. That's huge. Not only is that huge for uh, Drew Brees, but that's also huge for 
Teddy, Br Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill, see what happens there. So, you know, I'm just, just excited to see what's going on. But without further ado, I want to first welcome Courtney Smith. Again, Courtney Smith is a, is a content associate for ESPN. She works on most of the NFL shows, NFL Network. She does SportsCenter sometimes. And I really wanted to talk to her about her view on everything NFL, from this new CBA that was passed, from free agency, from the crazy news about DeAndre Hopkins. I know you all are probably wondering why I didn't talk about that. I talked about that with, with her. Uh, I talked about Dak Prescott getting franchise tagged. I talked about um, Ryan Tannehill getting signed, as well as Derrick Henry getting franchise tagged. So without further ado, again, I want to thank Courtney for being on. Here's our interview. I have Courtney Smith with me. How you doing, Courtney? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, well, we, we, I, I, I definitely planned on talking about the stoppage in sports and everything because that's pretty much huge with the coronavirus and everything. But I did not imagine the NFL free agency kicking off as much as it did. And where I want to start is let's, let's first start with franchise tax. Okay. Here's, here's what I, I don't like about franchise tax. And I don't think players like this about franchise tax either. You have a player like Dak Prescott. Mm -hmm. While I, I might not be the biggest Dak Prescott fan, I do understand the value that he has in Dallas. And I understand that you have until, I think, July 30th or something to get a deal done. But you see players like Ryan Tannehill get massive contracts. You see players like Kirk Cousins get extensions. But then yeah. you see players like Jack Prescott with franchise tag. You see players like Derrick Henry, who was 70% of the, of the Titans' offense last year. He gets franchise tag. You see AJ Green get franchise tag. If you don't mind, speak on your if you have any issues, your issues with the franchise tag and who teams elect to give the franchise tag uh, to instead of actually giving them a contract. Like to me, how the hell did Ryan Tannehill get a contract before Derek? Before Jackson, yeah, especially. And, and get a get a get a deal before Dak, especially after what we saw last year. So if you don't mind, speak on speak on that Yeah, for sure. I feel like I've talked about this so much because I am living in confusion right now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people that know me know that I'm a big Panthers fan, but I was raised a Cowboys fan. You know, my parents are diehard Cowboys fans. So that's all I've heard my whole life. And my dad was so certain that Dak was going to get a new deal. My dad was certain that the franchise tag was going to be on Amari and that Dak was going to get a new deal. And in the back of my head, I knew, I was like, the thing is, is that Jerry is, is a mess. Jerry Jones is a mess, and the Cowboys are a mess, and that's just kind of where we are. And I think what they're doing to Dak is really messed up. Like, I, at the end of the day, is Dak a great elite quarterback? No. Mm -hmm. But Jerry Goff was paid. Carson West was paid. Like, 
Right in hell's face. Right. Like, and and look, at the end of the day, the man wants what he what he deserves, and I think he absolutely should get it. Absolutely. And I think that he's doing the right thing by sitting back and seeing how these other couple quarterbacks get paid. Because I think the last thing the Cowboys want to do is have Cooper Rush as their starting quarterback, um, you know, September. But as ter- in terms of Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, once again, I live in confusion right now because not that Ryan Tannehill didn't, you know, just do what he needed to do because he did. He did. When Ryan Tannehill absolutely positively had to throw the ball, unless it was against the Chiefs, uh, he did it. Like, he did it. He did things, you know, Marcus Mariota hadn't done. So I get it. But at the end of the day, Derrick Henry is the only reason why that offense was successful. And I think that they're just, they're just, they're showing you who they value. And if I'm Derrick Henry, you know, we're going to see if I can get the deal that I want because he wants to set the market now. He said that, that after he saw, he was like, oh, no, I want, I definitely want beef money or more. So, and once again, like, a, the market for running back is never really that great, and it's definitely not that great this year. We need to see how many free agent running backs we have in the league. But at the end of the day, Derrick Henry is the engine that made the Titans go this year, and I think that if they're okay with playing without him, then play without him. Because at the end of the day, when you're using a franchise tag, it means that you don't know how you actually it. You want them around. You want them around. It's like putting a it's like putting an engagement ring on your girl, but like not actually marrying her. Like that's that's what it's just like. Oh, I look, girl, like I just still want one time. I'm not ready yet. And it's like, well, what more does Derrick Henry have to do? What more does that have to do? What more do they have to do? Yeah, I think I I I definitely completely agree with what you're saying. I think the difference between what Derrick Henry's situation and Dak's situation, I think they're in Derrick Henry's situation. I think they're valuing the quarterback a little too much. Yes, Brian Tannehill did help in beating Tom Brady and the Patriots in the playoffs, and he was he did make passes when he needed to make passes, but it's very hard for me to, to, to see a player, whether a running back or anything, be 70% of the offense, yet mm-hmm. still, still get franchise tag. That's why I think, I think the team is putting that quarterback position, I think they're, 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 they're 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 falling in love with that term a little too much in the, in terms of the Ryan Tannehill and the Derrick Henry situation instead of actually looking at the okay Derrick Henry right now is the premier elite back and he is mm-hmm. our offense. We I, I, the difference between that and that that Prescott I think yeah, we we we've seen reports we've heard reports about Brady uh, Jones or Jerry. Yeah, Jerry Jones saying, "Hey, I'm going to get. I want to give you 33 million a year. This is where we're sitting." I think that Jerry Jones is being stiff about his offer. I think he put his feet in the sand and said, "I'm not moving. I know we we don't want you on anybody else's team because we understand how valuable you are, but I am not trying to pay." I think with the Jerry well, when I say I'm not trying to pay, I'm not trying to give you top of the line quarterback money because we know just like you just said you're not top 10 you're not a top 10 quarterback but in terms of value he is top 10 in terms of value for the Cowboys I also think that they just paid Ezekiel Elliott now should they 
have seen Ezekiel yet. I, I, I do believe so. But I think, but we do, we have seen that Ezekiel Elliott's production kind of fell off after he got paid. He was, yes, he was still one of the top elite running backs, but he wasn't the running back that we used to see. And I think that might have jaded uh, Jerry Jones a little bit, saying, all right, are we going to, is the same thing that happened with that. Now, I don't think we should go into it thinking that, but I do think that could be on the back of his mind. Would you agree or do you think I'm just completely off? Oh, no, no. I, mean, I, I, I absolutely think that that's correct. I think you have to look at, once again, like the Derek Goff, the Kirk Cousins, the Carson Wentz's of the league who paid, and then their teams did not. And I think that that's what he's saying. He's like, look, I've seen what happens when you pay people, and then they do nothing for you. And he's trying to avoid that. But the reality of the matter is, is this is still a business. And, like, dairy of all people should understand that people are going to be about their money. Like, that's just, you know, that's just what it is at the end of the day. And, you know, I always, I honestly was very confused as to why they paid Zeke when he still had two years left. And with the just, just the issue that Zeke, I felt Zeke brought, you know, like, I, not, you know, he, he, he had his own little thing, but being suspended, like, you've been suspended, you've been hurt, and I'm still going to throw this money at you, and then you go to Cabo, and then I'm still going to throw this money at you, and that's exactly what Jerry Jones did. Like, exactly what he did. Yeah. He did whatever he wanted and still got paid for it. I think I think Jerry Jones, and, and I think he's done this ever since Jimmy Johnson's situation. I think that he, we all know he wants to be the center potential. It's he does. It's not the Cowboys owned by Jerry Jones. It's Jerry Jones and the Cowboys when we when we think of Jerry his moves. And I think that he meddles too much in player personnel. He meddles too much in coaching. That's how. Uh, Jason Garrett was able to have a job as long as he did, and he was a, a habitual 8-8. Eight eight. I think that oh, yeah. Every Cowboys fan I know can't stand Jerry Jones. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think that I think that he until and okay, so I, I'm not I'm not gonna lie, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I do recognize the fact that. To me, I think the Cowboys will be more successful when Jerry Jones has other voices in the room that's not a part of the Dallas Cowboys. And when I say that is, if you look at almost all the coaches, except for the one he hired, if you look at all the coaches that he's brought in, all the players that he's brought in as in personnel, it's always former Cowboys. Mm -hmm. When you look at it, it's like, why would I do something to, to quote, unquote, F the money up? if all I got to do is be a yes man. And I think until he finds somebody, it could be Mike McCarthy, you don't know. But until he finds somebody that's able to be like, yo, you got to you gotta chill out. You got to chill out, man. Just, just let it take over. Because the Cowboys have a good team on paper. They have a really good offense. They have a really good defense. It's just when you continue to meddle, you're not, you're not going to, you're not gonna make the right decisions all the time, and and those decisions are starting to starting to come back to bite them. And, yeah. Okay. And honestly, it just 
it's really it's really frustrating. I think, especially when you see who was it? Who told him that? that who said that that is ridiculous? Was it Emmett? It was Emmett. Yeah, it was Emmett. Yeah, Emmett, who sat out, told Brad <laughs> that he should take less money, and it's like, come on, man, come on, like like all old cowboys, old cowboys go one of two ways. They either say that Gary is ruining the franchise, or they will be Gary's yes men. That's, that's literally the two lines that it falls. That falls, and you know, once he decides that he's tired of being owner, GM, and everything under the sun, that's when the Cowboys will get better. Because, like you said, he is he's egomaniac. He's definitely a control freak. And I don't know. Like honestly, I'm a watch. I'm, I'm a like watching the Cowboys fall apart. It's fun. It's definitely yeah. fun. Exactly, my dad. <laughs> it is. It is fun. You know, we talk about how inept the Cowboys have been. And there's another team in, in, in Dallas, I mean, in, in Texas, that has also been inept that I want to talk about that made a huge, huge move in the start of free agency, and that was the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans trading away, to me, a top three receiver in DeAndre Hopkins and a couple picks, I think like a second round and a fourth round or something, for up to Arizona for David Johnson, running back, and like a second round pick. Now here's 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 a couple here's here's my thoughts on this situation. One, you traded DeAndre Hopkins, and people forget they traded to Davion Clowney, and both trades did not get a first round pick at all for not one. You have an elite defensive player. You have an elite. Well, to me, a top three wide receiver. In fact, last year, or not last year, the year before, he finished the season without a drop, which hasn't happened since last season when he's the only one to ditch. I I just I don't see it. I know I know Barry or Bill O'Brien is the GM and the coach, and I understand that you're going to have to pay for John Watson and the time to cheer up their offensive line. And it would have been the first, I mean, if they didn't make the trade, it would have been the second year they don't have a top 15 pick. But what I'm saying is when you have something that's certified, when you have something that's reliable, when you have a quarterback-wide receiver tandem as good as they've been, you have to get, I wouldn't break that up. Yeah, David Johnson, when he's healthy, whenever he's healthy, is a, is a solid piece. And I do think that they were anticipating losing Lamar in free agency, but it's like, why would you trade away a top three receiver and not even get a first round pick? It, to me, it's starting to look like Arizona kind of policed the Houston Texans. Am I all all feeling the way? Oh, oh no, 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 no! Arizona absolutely finessed them, and I'm so like, I'm I'm so happy for Kyler Murray and so sad for Deshaun Watson, like, at the same exact time. Because it just doesn't – it makes sense from shower chat, you know, perspective. Like, it, it does make sense because, like you said, Deshaun Watson's definitely going to want more money soon in the next year or two. He's going to be coming looking for a new contract. You know, there there are there are other people that, you know, have to be paid, but I just don't understand how you can't get a first round for him. Because he's absolutely worth a first round pick. 
hands down. Hands down. Shoot. A healthy will forward is near. No, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he's a first rounder, but he's near it. It's like and he's broken half the time. Like, yeah, and that's and that's what I was gonna say. They were saying, you know, we have Kenny Stokes, you have Will Fuller, and they can give you at least part of the production that DeAndre Hopkins. I said, okay. The the problem is Kenny Stills has he showed in, in the Dolphins now it could have been the organization, but he's shown that he's not as reliable as people thought. And Will Fuller is most definitely not reliable because he's always hurt. So how can you say that they can give you the same production as a John or DeAndre Hopkins? Yet DeAndre Hopkins is never hurt and he never drops the ball. Like I don't. Again, I, I agree with you completely. I feel terrible for Deshaun Watson because it feels like he's one of those quarterbacks that I was looking for. going to be ruined. Yeah. It looks like he's one of those quarterbacks that because of front office decisions and head coaching decisions, he is not going to be able to put himself in position to even, even be close to winning a championship. Like, if you look at Super Bowl, if you look at – and maybe I think that's why it was so e- or easier for Andrew Luck to retire the way he did. If Andrew Luck plays for a, a perennial um, playoff team, a playoff team, or a team that looked like they were definitely poised, I to, to you know even be in the Super Bowl. Now I get he had injury concerns and everything, but I think that if he played for like a like a Patriots or if he played for Steelers. I don't think it'll be that much easier for him to retire. Now, I don't wish that on Deshaun Watson, but I do think that the front office is really hindering his ability to be as good as he is. Because when you when you put pieces around him, or when you take pieces away from him, and expect him to be like we see all the time when we look at the Texans, we they expect him to be Superman every game, and we've seen it in the playoffs time and time again, but. As we saw when they ran up against the Chiefs, he can only do that for so long until you – it's just like, hey, there's nothing I can do. And I think that they're really ruining his 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 future as a, as a quarterback. I think that – I know they're going to try to go get offensive linemen, but you could have found offensive linemen in the in the draft and not have to give up Deshaun – I mean, yeah, Deshaun, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, that's – it's, it's like you're you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And you know, like I said, I told you, I'm a, I'm a Carolina fan, and I genuinely, as much as I love Ron Rivera, I can't stand these gentlemen. But I I feel like you know they ruin camp. I do like it. If you know if things don't pan out the way I'm hoping that they pan out, and they end up getting traded, then you know I I really will have to say that they they never gave. They never gave Cam the weapons that he should have had. He had to do entirely too much. And that's exactly what's happening with the Texans team. Like, how could you trade away literally, like, I don't know, like, just as big a piece of the offense as Deshaun Watson? Like, that's what you gave away. Like, you, you gave away the, the, the one and two. Because you're just not, like you said, you're not going to see that type of production out of Will Fuller and Kenny Stills. Yeah, it'll get close, and then they'll probably draft the guy. But it's not going to be DeAndre Hopkins. And it's like, I think that they should have looked at why they've been in the playoffs in the past four years and haven't made it deep. 
because I don't think that that would have been. I don't think that DeAndre Hopkins is the reason. The man played through broken ribs that last game against the Chiefs. He said his ribs were broken. We all knew his ribs were broken. Like, I just don't understand how you could trade someone. Like, I don't understand. I like. I'm really so confused as to how they didn't get a first round pick. Like, not only him, you didn't get a first round pick for a player in the Daniel Clowney early in the season that everyone was everyone agreed was at least first and a second round pick. But you don't you don't they don't, from report they didn't even ask for a first round pick. It's like I don't it's, oh man, it's and and, and it kinda goes back to it, it kinda ties hand in hand with a, a trash organization. An organization where you can have all the pieces in the world, all the decisions that you're supposed to do make a hell of sense, but you just go left. You're supposed to go right. It says go right. It says in 50 feet, turn right, and 25 feet, turn right. And then in your mind, you say, you know what? I wonder what happens if I turn left. And then you turn left, and you never get to a Super Bowl. And turn left, and you trade one of the top wide receivers and top defensive players in the league. But... Yeah, well, I, 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 I'm excited to see how how next season's going to go because there's so many storylines. And, and now that you know we we've, we've established that you are a Carolina fan, what do you what do you think the future holds for Cam Newton and in Carolina? Ooh, do you want the biased version or the non-biased version? I want to do whatever version you give. Um. I mean, I think that in terms of what would be smartest for Art would be to let him play off the last year of the You let him play off the last year of his contract. You see what, what he has. You see what a healthy Cam looks like. And, you know, we go from there. And a lot of people are talking about thinking for Trevor. And I'm like, okay, like I like, I like Trevor. Like, I definitely like Trevor Lawrence. Honestly, in my perfect world, this is what would happen. We somehow Jalen Hurts would fall to the third or fourth round of the draft. We take him in the third or fourth, not first second. But and we let him study and learn here behind Cam. After Cam plays out the last year on the field, you know, I think I think it it would probably if it doesn't result in the playoffs if it doesn't result in a playoff first, I think that we let him go and we let him, you know, do his career, finish out his career somewhere else. Because I do think that he's given the best of what he can give to Carolina. But I'm not ready to walk away from him now without seeing what a healthy Cam can do. And I think our offense has a lot of pieces in play. We do obviously need to tight end. Greg Olson has gone to Seattle. But we've got a lot of – we've got a lot – of pieces on our offense that if Cam would have had is the 2015-16 season when we were in the Super Bowl, I think that would have been a completely different game. Um, and I just think, I don't know, like, I, I, I think, you know, we saw Kyle Allen. He was cool. Definitely not ready to be a starter, and I feel like we can all agree, which is why, you know, we signed him yeah. for minimum. And so be the backup, which is fine. Which is absolutely positive, but I think that it makes no sense to get rid of Cam. Oh, as far as last year, especially with everything that he's done for our team, 
we haven't been healthy in a year and a half. Let us be healthy, and then let's go through that. I, I agree. And, and lastly, before I let you go, as we know, the, the NFL CBA um, has a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, starting next year, we're going to have um, 15 games. We're going to have, uh, an extra, I think, four extra playoff teams. We're going to have, you know, the minimum the minimum salary will increase. They're not going to test. Um, you can't get banned or suspended for marijuana use anymore. Shout out to Josh Gordon. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. I respect the decision because, you know, it was voted on. Some of the players and, of course, the owners voted on it and the, the CBA. It was a vote. The thing that I don't like is when it came out that 500 players didn't even vote, didn't care to vote. Yet still, you have multiple, upon multiple players, upset, you know, about the decision, upset about the outcome. It's like if you if you if you fight for your right to have a vote, have a voice, and and for situations like this and decisions like this, you then don't pretty much slap in that. Slap in the face of the people allowing you to have that decision by not even voting. And I think that it was about a thousand votes off. So those five hundred could have swayed something. So it was like, how do you how do you then go and fight for your right to have this opportunity to vote and and so you don't feel like you're getting jerked around by the the players. I mean by the um, owners and stuff. And still, you don't exercise your right. When, when decisions like this are on the table. Am I am I wrong for going that way? No, you're absolutely right. And honestly, like, I just, I feel like if you're not going to take the time out to vote, and I get it. At the end of the day, it was almost 500 paid CBA. But if you're not even going to take the time out to vote on something that directly, directly influences your life, like, like, it's not like, you know, if people, look, I'm all for people voting in elections, but when my friends say, oh, I don't want to vote because my vote doesn't matter, I'm like, you know, that was a little harder for me to fight because, like, that, you know, there's a, there's, there's different steps to actual political votes. But this, this CBA vote was literally off by 60 votes. Exactly. It's like, 60 votes was the difference between you having to play 17 seasons and putting 17 or 17 games, putting and having that extra game of extra wear and tear on your body. Mm-hmm. And it's just they didn't they didn't care enough. And you know, I I'm sure the the vets I'm sure the vets are like I'm sure they're very angry. I'm sure they want to know exactly who gets vote so they can go to their house and beat them up. Like I'm sure that's how a lot of the vets probably feel. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, people are grown men, and I just don't want to hear you complain mm-hmm. on game 17, especially if you didn't vote. I do not want to hear you complain. Yeah, it's, it's, you see players like uh, Richard Sherman and Odell Beckham Jr. that come out against the players that didn't vote. It's like, yo, don't, don't then complain about the owners have too much power and they don't care. 
and then turn around and not even vote when they're supposed to. I get 500 pages, but like you said, it's your livelihood. And there's players like, like uh, let's say Aaron Rodgers, or let's say Russell Wilson. You get an extra game, so that's 17 games. Plus, more than likely, those teams could be playing in a wild card. So technically, it's two extra games, if you really mm-hmm. think about it. And you don't have another week to, to, to rest. It's like you go from game to boom, boom, playoffs. And because you had teams. So it's like, it, again, when, when, when something's 500 or so votes off and it comes out you didn't vote, to me, that's how owners are like, you know what, see, this why we didn't even, we, we don't give the players as much power as we should. And I think that's Right, because they can't even all come together to agree on something. Like, exactly. And, and it's not even come together to agree. It's like you don't even take the time. Come together. Yeah, you don't even to come together. So it's like, why should we even care? Why don't we just – I think that this could set a, a, a bad president, um, you know, and I think we, we just have to have to have to wait and see. But um oh okay, last before I go, as we know, this coronavirus is kinda sweeping the nation. How do yeah. you how do you think this is going to affect uh well we've already seen the draft is already is gonna happen yet yeah, it's, it's not gonna be open to the public. We saw that this is affecting um pre draft conversations with players and not having uh, you know, player interviews like they used to. They're not having uh, private workouts like they used to. So how do you think that, and we already know the season might get pushed back, how do you how do you feel that this is going to affect the NFL and and, and, and just football in general? Because, of course, we know the NCAA uh, is suspended basketball. We're going to see how long this is going to take if they're going to do football. We saw the XFL uh, cancel its inaugural season. Like, how do you feel like this this virus is going to affect football in general? Yeah, so honestly, the, before we even got, get to that part, I think that the NFL is handling this terribly. Like, I just, I feel like you, the other leagues are kind of on pause, kind of trying to figure it out. And they're like, no, we're good. But at the end of the day, you know, there's, I think of people like Tua. Like, I, I'm a little big Tua type of Viola fan, and I hate that he's not going to get have a pro day. Like, no one's going to get to see, you know, what he can really do now that, you know, he's, he's a little healed up, you know, he's past his physical. Like, no one can see that because they're not holding anything because of the virus. And I'm just like, how can you rob these kids of, you know, now they can't, like, yes, people chose to sit out of the combine willingly, yes, but how can you rob them of this opportunity now when you're supposed to dress? Like, then you've got, you know, the way that they're saying that the draft is not going to be public anymore, and I'm like, okay, okay, well, I'm, I don't, I understand that it makes it hard, but I feel as though when we see the other leagues, saying, you know what, let's take a pause and see where our country is. I don't understand how the NFL couldn't also do that. Because there's time. There's definitely time for them to take a pause. Because the reality of the matter is, April 6th, new coaches are supposed to be able to start meeting with their team. So, you know, we got the Panthers, Cowboys, uh, Redskins, Giants, who else got a good coach? A bunch of new coaches. 
won't be able to work out with your team in April. That's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Like I can I can pretty much tell you that. And I just think that they're mainly not poorly. But you know, I definitely think they far said they're not starting for another two months. Uh we don't know when the NBA will come back. If it if it will come back. I I'm sad. It is definitely made life boring. But you know, like we at the end of the day, like we're all in the same boat. We're all, all people who love sports, and right now it's about players and the people at home. Like that's what this is about right now. And I think everybody kind of got to put their their interests to side and think about this country and if we want to see people continue to get sick or if we can sacrifice for a little while. To, to make this place safe. Like, I think that's really what this is going to come down to. And I'm sad. I definitely want my football to start back in September. But reality of the matter is, we probably won't be able to. If things are going the way uh, President talked about today, but then it could be still closed into July and August, mm-hmm. cool, that doesn't happen. But it's a very real possibility. And if it is, there will be no football. There will be no no NFL starting in September. Yeah. Again, that was Courtney Smith. She's a content associate for ESPN. I want to thank her, thank her, thank her for the bottom of my heart for being on the podcast. And the next lady that I interviewed was Christina Williams. Like we, She's the founder of Girls Talk Sports. And she does a lot, not, not just in the sports realm, but in entertainment. She's a content creator. And I definitely wanted to talk to her about everything that she does, Girls Talk Sports TV, and I wanted to talk to her about a lot of the sporting events shutting down and how content creators can continue to create content, especially in sports, with the the stoppage of sports. So without further ado, here's Christina Williams. First of all, tell us the reason why you wanted to start Girls in Girls Talk Sports TV and why do you think it's so important for women to have a platform like that? So I started Girls Talk Sports TV for two reasons. One, because I absolutely love sports. And two, I had a degree in journalism, and I wasn't really putting it to use. And I wasn't really putting it to use because I was applying for all of these major corporations and all the big outlets to be a sports reporter, but I found that I wasn't hearing back from them. And so I took matters into my own hands and created my own platform. And now, ironically, all of those big platforms are now reaching out to me. Um, So I created Girls Talk Sports TV because I wanted to marry my passion of sports and and media storytelling journalism. And also I wanted to give women a voice and visibility within the sports world. I also saw that there was a lack of representation of women who looked like me. Um, in the sports industry being represented. So my platform kind of put women at the forefront of that. And, yeah, I just wanted to give women a voice and visibility in the sports world. And, and to piggyback on what you said, I think it's great that you I, – I know a lot of people struggle with, especially when you just graduate college or when you get your degree. A lot of people, like myself, I, I did fall victim to They want to go. <laughs> they want to hunt for the big heads early. They want to. They want to apply for ESPN. They want to apply for NBC Sports or Fox Sports. Right. I do think it's good that you create Celine. And one thing that you do 
I love is you took matters into your own hands. And right. I think that's what a lot of people uh, don't understand or, or struggle with. How how would you, I guess, um, advise someone that is, is wondering how to take matters into your own hands? Like not saying every every way is going to be the same, but how would you advise somebody to do that? Well, one thing that I wanted to point out is, especially in today's day and age, I noticed that the trend of journalism and storytelling, um, we're seeing the rise of the blogger, right? We're seeing the rise of user-based journalism, and it's becoming immensely popular within media. So, like, for me, taking matters into my own hand, I'm a millennial, so, you know, I have the skills, the technology skills, right? And I have that journalism degree, so it's just taking your strengths and using them to your advantage. Um, and that's basically how I created my own platform was because I saw that there was a lane available for me to create and that I can use my strengths of journalism, technology, use the social media, and take advantage of those things and, and use it to my advantage. So um, if I have any advice for anyone to get started, you know, write your ideas down and definitely just 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 take that first step, Right put the content out there. For me, it's not about how many likes or things that I get. I'm just going to do the work, and and everything else will follow. So that's the best thing that I can give is just do the work, and everything else will follow. That, that, that sounds good. One thing that I know, I, I, I see this a lot, and you see this a lot, especially in the male side, is when we talk about sports journalism, most of the jobs go to, either former athletes or someone that has, like, recognition beyond belief at this point. Right. Do, you, do you find this harder, or or did you find that it was harder for you to start off, you know, not saying you were unknown, but not being a former athlete of a, of a, of a WNBA team or not being mm-hmm. – you know, the the face of CGS Sports for <laughs> Did you find, especially early on, that it was harder for you to, I guess, gain traction, or do you feel that, do you feel that it, it, it kind of was a benefit to you? If you well, prior to me getting into sports, I actually was a fashion reporter, so um, I worked uh, as a freelance fashion reporter for Fashion One Television, covering um, top New York fashion week shows, doing one-on-one segments with top designers, um, stylists, celebrities. So I actually did have professional reporting experience. And then I want to say this. What worked in my advantage only, and like my journey is my journey, is that I had that experience as a freelance fashion reporter, and for me to transfer over into sports, it wasn't that hard because I already built up relationships within the entertainment industry. And so really what happened and how I started Girls Talk Sports TV was I love basketball, and I live in New York City, um, and I actually play in a few rec leagues here with other other girls who some are pro, some are amateur, some are um, former D1. So I had those connections just through building my community, right, and doing things that I love. And so um, I had those connections within those leagues. Um, I had I was helping to produce multiple celebrity basketball charity games. So really what, what works in this industry and how to get started is 
you want to network across to the people that you know. Look to the person on your left or right, right, and see how can you guys help each other. So that's basically how I started Girls Talk Sports TV. Um, her name was getting a little buzz on the East Coast, West Coast, as far as like this girl, she's dope. Um, she helps produce all of these basketball events um, on both ends, both sides. I, I was also um, doing some work with Dykeman Basketball, which is one of the biggest tournaments, streetball tournaments on the East Coast. And so really what I did was first I looked on my left and right and see how can I use my contacts to my advantage to help me establish myself in this industry. And that's basically how it worked out for me. And you pretty much answered my my <laughs> my next question, which is great because when when we look at what you do and we look at what you've done, you just mm-hmm. don't stand in sports where you you've been you know working the WNBA, you were at the Big Three, you yeah. <laughs> you've been at uh, movie premieres, interviewing movie movie directors and and actors, and I thought that it. It's great that you have such a platform that you just don't stay stagnant in one thing. And I think exactly. that's it. It's, it's like mastering mastering many instead of being a legend in one. It, that kind of makes sense. And I think that, and, and you kind of alluded to it, because right. you have your feet and because you're, you you have your feet in so many platforms and because you don't just stay and in the sports realm, right. it, it, it helps everything else. Is that, is that, is that true? That's definitely true. Um, for starters, like, uh, I decided to step away from the fashion side of things because I wanted to challenge myself to do something else, and um, that's how kind of like I stepped into the sports world. Um, but basically for me, it, it's all happened organically, right? Um, and just based off that passion and that purpose of, of wanting to grow the game um, outside of uh, actual work off the court. You know, I'm building my local community by volunteering as a basketball coach with youth girls, and I've been doing that since I was in college on the weekends, Fridays and Saturdays, you know, donating my time to these girls to mentor and coach them. So for me, it's all about the relationships you build, the community you're building, and all of that stuff will align with your passion, and things will happen organically. And that's how it worked out for me. Okay. And how to transitioning, uh, of course, you talk about sports. As, as we know, right now it's, kind of, it, it, it's scary out there with the coronavirus. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's unprecedented that we've seen not just a league, but we've seen sports in general. Stop. Right. How do you, right. What is your take on the whole situation, and, and how do you think this will far out I mean, how do you think this will affect the future of sports? Because as you've seen, the, the, the NBA didn't finish its season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they canceled NCAA. Um, right. Uh, they they canceled NASCAR. For God's sake. It's, how do you think this is going to impact sports, uh, not just now but years to come? Well, first and foremost, I, I just want to say that the leagues have done a great job at, like, suspending – um, the NBA and all the major sports leagues and canceling the tournaments, health comes first. Um, I don't think anyone in the sports industry could ever imagine life without sports, um, but it's temporary, right? And so I tweeted out something the other day, and it was just like, you know, content creators, 
the suspension or cancellation of sports tournaments and leagues does not mean that this is the end. This is your time to shine. So as content creators, we can keep that momentum going, although there isn't any sports on live television. Obviously, with the, the hope of sports, um, you know, uh, you have the leagues that will have to, you know, reassess and, like, replan the, the scheduling of, of certain games or altogether. I think that I feel for the senior college athletes who won't get to compete in the tournaments or won't get to know if they would have ever, you know, won that chance, that national championship game, um, you know, because those athletes work so hard to get to that point in, in educa- educational career. But um, NCAA actually released something yesterday and is saying that it will offer a year of eligibility to uh, D1 athletes who play spring sports, and they're going to work something out for the seniors who play winter sports. Um, It's very, very sad. It sucks. But I think that we can all agree that it is definitely necessary in in order to ensure the safety of the players, the coaches, and the fans. Um, and then we've seen with the whole Rudy Gobert situation, how that went left, but I don't think that Rudy Gobert should be the scapegoat of this virus. He isn't like I or as he said, but I said that uh Rudy Gobert isn't agent zero, like, you know, the first person to get it. So I think that we should all take the proper safety precautions and measures to ensure that it doesn't spread and we do our part. Um, so it's left that, you know, Sports is on a hope, but I feel like this is the time, especially for content creators, for editors and, and newspapers, magazines, online, digital, for everyone to just step their game up with their storytelling. There are still stories to be told in the sports world, and we can definitely keep that momentum going. And lastly, um, What's next? What's next for yourself? What's next for girls talking sports? Like, what is? What do you feel is next for you? Well, in the last couple months, I've had to rebrand, and we started off 2020 really strong with the SS feature in January, um, the NABJ Millennial Media Summit. Unfortunately, you know the NCAA tournament just gotten canceled, but we had the WNBA draft coming up, a huge summer with big three season tour. Um, but what's next for Girls Talk Sports TV is really you'll just get that amazing content digitally and also exploring more things with podcasts, putting out more segments and collaborations with other brands to, you know, grow the game. So um, thank you so much for all of your support and for sticking with us. Um, and I'm excited for what's to come. So there you have it. I want to thank you guys. I want to thank Courtney Smith. I want to thank Christina Williams. I want to thank all you guys for listening. I want to thank them for being on the podcast. Please stay safe. Please stay clean. Please stay smart about your decisions. If they say no more than 50 people, don't go to the beach. If they say no more than 50 people, don't go to the club. Stay safe and stay clean, people. I want to thank you guys for listening. And until next time, much love. I'm finna stand tall in it, I'm all in it You be on my back like a guard again Call her again, I'm in love with your friend We be doing dirt, you hide the evidence It's evident that you're ready to ride
my cheap and put your pride to the side Go against the gang, you must be ready to hide Swinging on the corner, bang my tail till it pops I thought I was a goner, place to your honor Burn marijuana, the diamond is on her Hotter than the sauna, I made her ass a lot of Follow baby Prada, she popped it for the dollar Don't stick around, you should save yourself But you can't hear my phone You had to everything. It's everything that you're ready to ride. Hop up in my Jeep and put your pride to the side. Go against the gang, you must be ready to hide. Swinging on the corner, bang my tail till it pops. I thought I was a goner, place to your honor. Burn marijuana, the diamond is on Hotter than the sauna, I made her ass a lot of. Follow baby Prada, she popped it for the dollar. On my back like a cardigan. We be doing that you had to end.